Hi, this is Glenn Rawson. One of the most powerful ways to share history and heritage is by the telling of stories. We began sharing inspiring stories nearly 30 years ago. Each of those stories is true and was intended to inspire and strengthen faith. Over the years, those stories have reached millions around the world. This podcast is for you to listen, learn, and enjoy. When sore trials come upon you, did you think to pray? When your soul was filled with sorrow, balm of Gilead did you borrow at the gates of day. Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change the night to day. So when life gets dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. It is thought by some that no one can write creatively without inserting themselves into the text that they write. This hymn was written by Mary Ann Kidder in 1875. Could these powerful words from the hymn, Did You Think to Pray, have come from a life of personal experience for Mary Ann? Mary Ann Pepper was born March 16, 1820, in Boston, Massachusetts, the daughter of a master mariner. It is said when Marianne was 16 years old, she suddenly went blind, totally blind. It was thought that she would never recover her sight. But miraculously, one year later, her sight returned. Again, it was considered a miracle. In 1844, she married Ellis Usher Kidder, and together they had three children. With the outbreak of the Civil War, Ellis enlisted in the Union Army. Six days after the Battle of Antietam, Ellis passed away, leaving Marianne filled with sorrow and three small children to raise on her own in support. Well, Marianne took to writing in earnest, no longer at a hobby, as a means of supporting herself. It would not be the end of her sore trials. On August the 3rd, 1865, her youngest son, Walter, drowned. Life would again become dark and dreary for Marianne as her beloved daughter, May, passed away April 11th, 1883. When Marianne wrote of pleading for grace that you might forgive another who had crossed you on your way, was that again wisdom, personal, gained from a life well lived? Perhaps Marianne's daughter in law, Augustus, said of her, She was not hedged about. This is speaking of Marianne. She was not hedged about by doctrinal, or a dogmatic belief. She was a deedist, not a creedist, believing fully in the humanitarian idea of tolerance, end of quote. There is evidence to support the idea that Marianne was something of a nonconformist to the prevailing churches, creeds, if you will, of the day. 
when she wrote of pleading for loving favor as a shield today? Surely she was the master of the art. Augusta, her daughter-in-law, again wrote of her, quote, Nothing ever marred her serenity, and everybody found in her a sympathetic listener. Her will was of iron, but she never allowed her ideas to interfere with another's. She respected everyone's opinion. End of quote. If a hymn ever bespoke the character of its author, did you think to pray is surely one of those. Marianne Pepper Kidder passed away November the 24th, 1905 in Chelsea, Massachusetts. Next story. I listed this on Instagram. I just happened to come across this today, and I thought perhaps just in a moment I would share this with you. 190 years ago this week, a significant event occurred in church history that's instructive to us all. A man by the name of Simon's Ryder had joined the church there near Hiram, Ohio. And then he was extended a call by the Almighty. In writing that call to him, Sidney Rigdon happened to misspell Simon's Ryder's name, spelling it R-I-D-E-R instead of R-Y-D-E-R. Well, according to the history, Ryder became offended at the misspelling of his word, reasoning that if God could make a mistake in misspelling his name, then God could make a mistake in calling him to serve in the ministry. Well, that and other things combined, Simon's writer apostatized. Well, in his apostasy, it turned to anger and to bitterness. Simon's writer was among those who organized into a mob on the week of March 24, 1832, and attacked the prophet Joseph Smith, and he was tarred and feathered. Not only was Joseph terribly brutalized in that attack, but so too was his young son, Joseph Murdoch, left exposed to the bitter elements of March 1832, Hiram, Ohio, and died as a result of that, becoming, some have said, the first martyr of this dispensation. And all of that from a man who got offended not the least of which because his name was misspelled. Now, there's a lesson there for all of us. If you're ever offended, especially at church leadership or at church practice or church doctrine or church history, tread lightly, walk softly, do not act rashly. How many foolish, irrevocable, unforgivable deeds have been carried out in the heat of the moment in anger because someone's offended. And incidentally, I wonder about this. Simon's writer's gravestone in Hiram, Ohio. Take a look at it. It's on Instagram. It's misspelled, both in his first name and in his church affiliation. Just a thought for you. 
That was 190 years ago this coming week. All right, now the story that I promised to share with you. This is where it all began earlier this week. It was cold and it was frosty, definitely a winter morning. I got out of bed around six o'clock in the morning, as is my habit, and went downstairs to build a fire in my wood-burning stove. I love my wood-burning stove. There's nothing like curling up next to a good warm fire first thing in the morning. Well, opened up the firebox and reached into the wood box to get a small piece of kindling-sized wood. I grabbed it, and as I did, I felt the stick bite me. My first thought was that I'd hit a nail or a thorn or something like that. But the sting quickly made me realize something had bit me. Whatever it was, I rolled it in my fingers and felt whatever the creature was wiggling and squirming. And without even looking at it, whatever it was, I flicked it into the fire. I never saw what it was. It stung. It really stung. But unlike a wasp or a bee or a hornet, there was no evidence of a bite or a sting whatsoever. Just the pain. Well, my dad used to say, it's a long ways from your heart. So I just forgot about it and went on my way. Well, that afternoon, all of a sudden, I got really, really sick. Chills, fever, aches, headaches, cramping, difficulty breathing, convulsions. I launched into convulsions so bad I couldn't even walk. My wife was ready to take me to the ER. And the finger that had got stung that morning, it suddenly began to itch and to swell. The finger swelled up huge. And then the next thing, my hand started to swell up and it started moving up my arm. Something was definitely not right. And all of a sudden, I was really, really sick. And that night, I couldn't sleep. You know, people say that, they have a restless. No, I couldn't sleep all night long. I could not sleep. The next morning, a thought occurred to me. What if that was a spider bite? I don't even know where that thought came from. So I looked it up and discovered that I had all the textbook symptoms, except one, of the bite of a black widow spider. It all fit. Well, my friend Judy is a nurse and a dear friend. She urged me to get it checked out, explaining what could happen if I didn't get this thing under control. So my wife took me up to the clinic and we obtained the necessary drugs of caution. And I didn't go for anti-venom, that wasn't necessary, just something to make sure that I didn't get infection. One, one little spider, one itsy bitsy, ugly little eight-legged beast, and I was in abject misery and lost three days of work. Now, here's the first part of the story. I was reminded again of a simple truth. Out of small and simple things, great things are brought to pass. Now, think about that. We always interpret great 
as a reference to quality, but great is also a reference to quantity, as in the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Not only do small and simple choices like praying, studying, serving, and attending the temple result in great and good things with the Lord, but small and stupid choices can result in great and terrible things on the other side as well. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Be careful. Small and simple, stupid choices can lead to great consequences as well, like putting your hand where it shouldn't be without a glove on. Here's the rest of the story, and that is, just as I'm coming off the end of the spider bite and it's starting to taper off, the symptoms of something else begin to manifest themselves. They're almost exactly the same as the spider bite. I couldn't breathe. Congestion, pain, body aches, all the same symptoms. The spider swelling starts going down and the other stuff starts ramping up. So I go to the clinic and I get tested in preparation to leave for Israel, not thinking anything of it. I got to go to Israel. I have to have a COVID test. I test positive. Oh, there was no hesitation. I had COVID-19 and there went my trip to Israel. Two days before I'm supposed to leave, I come down with COVID. Now, it's almost laughable. Two years I have endured this pandemic. All my family has gotten it. Everyone's been sick around me. I've been exposed so many times. And I don't get even one inkling of the flu until two days before COVID-19 is supposed to be over and I'm going out to tour the world once again, and I get knocked down by COVID. I hope this isn't irreverent, but I'm sure the Lord has a sense of humor. That's why it happened. All right, next story. Robert Taylor Burton was first among the rescue teams to leave Salt Lake City in October 1856 in search of the handcart people stranded on the plains. He not only was there, but he was appointed an assistant to Captain George D. Grant, who led the expedition of rescuers. Burton gives detailed accounts day by day of the heroic efforts of the rescuers to save those people. He tells of snow so deep that the axle trees of the wagons would drag of temperatures so bitterly cold at Devil's Gate that the companies could not move forward. He describes that they found suffering from cold and hunger, much of which it was impossible for them to relieve. In the snow and intense cold, Burton said, we were reduced to one-quarter rations, very many of the people falling by the wayside in spite of all our efforts, burying as many as 16 persons, he said, in one grave, end of quote. His diary and journals are invaluable reading. Robert Burton stayed with the people all the way from Wyoming and into the valley and was among the last ones to come in. He summarized the immigrants' journey thus, quote, the hardships and sufferings of this 
company of people can never be told. End of quote. And that comes from a man of vast experience. And again, speaking of their journey after the companies had been found, Brother Burton said, quote, I have striven for years to obliterate from my mind some of the sights that I witnessed on the return to the valley, end of quote. This is after they've been rescued. This was after they were on their way back to the valley. The terrible things he saw. Captain Robert Taylor Burton kept detailed records of all that was donated by the saints and distributed to the handcart immigrants. He would go on from there, from this rescue effort, to serve as a missionary in Europe to serve as Major General of the Utah Militia, to serve as a member of the Utah Legislature, a regent of the University of Deseret, and a counselor for 30 years to Bishop Edward Hunter, the presiding bishop of the church. His was a noble and giving heart. The story is told that as the Martin Company passed through Echo Canyon just outside of Salt Lake City, on their way into the valley, virtually on the last leg of the journey after all of the horrible things that they have endured. Now in Echo Canyon, Sarah Minnie Caitlin Squires went into labor and delivered a baby girl on the morning of November 26, 1856. The little one was named Echo in honor of her place of birth. It is reported that there was not adequate clothing to keep the little one warm. John Jakes recorded the following in his diary, quote, One of the relief party generously contributed part of his clothing to clothe the little stranger, end quote. Literally, in that extreme cold, the rescuer, quote, took off his own homespun shirt and gave it to the mother to wrap the baby, end quote. That generous, compassionate rescuer was General Robert T. Burton. On his deathbed in 1907, as his family was gathered around, Bishop Burton urged them with all of his soul, quote, be kind to the poor. And so he was. My dear friends, I love that story. And I can't help but think, if you and I would minister to the poor and needy in our wards like that, oh, what a Zion church this would be. Thank you for listening. Many of the stories you heard today have been published and are archived at glenrossonstories.com. If you would like more information, you can communicate with us there. We will be back again with another podcast next week.